Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1035 of the Juicebox Podcast. I found myself wondering recently why it's such a human thing to compare stuff, compare things we have or things we want or you know, why we compare people and why do we have to blame things? Like, why does something have to be at fault? These are kind of two disconnected, but in my mind, connected ideas. I want to talk more about them. So I brought Erica Forsyth in to have that conversation. If you uh, get done and you're like, oh, Erica is delightful. I'm going to look into her. Uh, services. You can check her out at ericaforsyth.com. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for support with your diabetes, check out the Juice Box podcast private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. If you'd like to get 40% off of all your cozy items, go to CozyEarth.com and use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout, and you will, in fact, save 40% off of your entire order. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable, text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Erica, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Good. How are you? Friday. Today? Super excited. Friday. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I um, just recorded with Jenny an hour ago, and I told her I'm going to get my toe looked at, and I'm going to be able to take a shower without a big plastic bag on my foot. Uh, so I'm super excited. <laughs> <gasps> yes. Oh, In my goodness. Weeks. I don't even know. I had a toe surgery and I so I I have I'm wearing this giant. I mean, it's a foot condom. I don't know another way to put it, um, but it, it I have to wear it every time I get in the shower. And for the last three days, I'm like, this thing is healed. I definitely don't need to keep this off of water. But I told the guy I would till Friday. So I'm, I kept doing it. Uh, but anyway, tomorrow's shower is going to be include my gonna foot. feel <laughs> so good. Yes. So. The people won't know, but we were supposed to start recording a series today. But instead of doing that, I kind of jammed in another idea first to get to get ahead of it. I am um, fascinated and want to know more about why people compare things and why they need to place blame on things. And I, 
I've been watching it for so long now. Um, running that Facebook group gives me a really good insight into like mm -hmm. people and how they react to things. And um, I just want to talk about it. So I don't know a lot about it at all. I just know what I see, but I'd love for you to explain it a little bit to me, please. Sure. So I think it's interesting that you said, why do people compare things and blame things? And I would maybe insert that. Why do people compare themselves or ourselves mm -hmm. with one another or blame ourselves? But maybe I want to clarify, are you thinking about it in that perspective or yeah, things I mean, in general? So I'll, I think, yes. Um, uh, what do I want to say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess like some like let's start with a couple of examples. Why do I see so many conversations that want to say that type one diabetes is worse than having type two diabetes? That there's a there's a clear example of that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it 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 feels like at times there's a need to make sure people understand that I have the worst kind of diabetes. Why is that? Oh, so I would say first and foremost, that might be how you were informed um, or educated when you were diagnosed. I think personally, 33 years ago when I was diagnosed, I remember that language that like the type one was the harder diagnosis to have mm -hmm. and more life-threatening and consequently, that is the harder one to manage. Um, I think now I know we've we've talked about this before. Why do we do that now when we know that both are challenging? No one is really, quote, to blame. Mm -hmm. But I think we use, you know, thinking about the comparison, the social comparison. There's actually a theory that we we do this. Humans do this naturally sometimes to make ourselves feel better. Okay. Sometimes we do it without even knowing it and we make ourselves feel worse. Um, but it's kind of like a, it's a natural human phenomenon that we are comparing ourselves to others and it can be a positive, right? We can do that positively and make ourselves want to get better, feel better, do better, or we can do it and it'll make ourselves feel worse. Right. Um, but I think the example about the type one versus type two, I have the harder one. Um, and, and in fact, just recently I was talking with somebody is not, not in my practice with a, a call a friend. And I shared with her, I had type one and she said, Oh, I have type two. I know it's not as bad. She, she offered that up to me. I said, right. Oh no, like they're, they're both challenging and really hard to live with. Yeah. I, I don't, it was interesting I, that in that, See, that fascinates me. Like, what uh -huh. is the need right then and there to let, because she, what is she doing? She's telling you, I'm not saying I have it as bad as you do. Right? Like, she, yes. So, and yes. So that was meant kindly. Like, like I, I know you have a thing that's worse than me. I'm not going to challenge you about it. But, mm -hmm. but I don't understand why the brain goes to that right away. So I understand comparing. For like, listen, I did it earlier today. Earlier today, I pulled up the top 20 list of podcasts in the medicine category. And I was <laughs> sitting at 13, me, a guy who makes a podcast completely by himself. 
And I'm looking at 13, like, corporations ahead of me. Like, big-name people with, like, staffs and money and, like, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I should look at that and think, wow, look at that. I'm hanging. You know what I mean? And I do. But then the next thought is, how do I get there? How do I move up? But I'm not torturing myself about it. I actually think the podcast is good enough that it could reach enough people that we could, like, float up in that top five and six, right? Um, so that's a comparison that I use to motivate myself. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. It, I, I'm not trying to make myself feel badly. I did not feel badly when it was over. I'm absolutely happy to be 13. It's amazing. You, you know what I mean? Um, so I get that. I get I get even being trying to get on a sports team and picking the person who's starting and you're not starting and saying, what is that person doing that I'm not doing? I think that's all very healthy, to be mm -hmm, perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. I, I think that. Part of the reason the podcast works for people is because I've chosen to I've chosen to say, this is how we do it. Here's the success we have. I think you could do that too. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not a th I'm not thumbing my nose at people and going, ha ha ha, my kids A1C is this, like, right? Um, but but there but there are people that do that. So I get that, I guess. Like I understand, but but what do I mean here? It's different mindsets that read it mm -hmm. differently, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can do that thing and say, hey, listen, here's here's the way it works for us. I hope you can do it too. And there are plenty of people who come along and go, I love that. I love that it's hopeful. I love that it's, it's giving an example. I'm going to strive for that. But there are also people who come and see that and go, why are you rubbing it in my face? Like that's mm -hmm. their first their first thought. Like mm -hmm. Like they think I'm comparing myself to them when I'm not. Like, so why do some people read it as hopeful and other people read it as like an F you? I think it, uh, it's challenging to, <laughs> you Say know, why. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, hesitant yeah. to do big generalizations, but right. I think it goes back to maybe what is your concept of just in life around your sense of blame versus taking responsibility? Are you expecting, um, perfection are you and if you aren't perfect where do you go in your mind are you blaming yourself and shaming yourself are you saying oh i i, I messed up here i can take some responsibility in that area mm -hmm. but i'm not perfect across the board um you know understanding that we aren't we aren't perfect and we are human and being kind and compassionate to yourself i imagine maybe people who might look at in your example look at how to how to you know manage your type one well and feel like you're rubbing they're being you know you're rubbing it in their face are they then feeling like they're they're shameful and blaming themselves if they can't do it as opposed to oh well maybe I can I can learn and I'm not quite there yet I'm never gonna achieve perfection but I'm gonna make mistakes and I can I'm okay. So their uh, life experience informs their response whether they know it or not so if you grew up with a parent who was always telling you you're not good enough for example or you failed a lot in your life mm -hmm. something like that and then you see somebody doing what you consider to be better than you i'm making air quotes yes it, then you look at that and say well i can't do this or i don't need to be told that i'm not doing well enough does that make sense yes okay. so somewhere along the lines i mean this you could have been i mean it, it is common if you've been exposed to various 
forms of abuse or neglect as a child or did not have the proper encouragement and affirmation that you are good enough, oftentimes someone's mindset is, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. And no matter how hard I try, I'm always going to feel this way. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier that's painful, but it, it's an it's an automatic response when you see someone doing better than you to say, well, they're just they're just being they're flaunting it, and I'm never going to be able to achieve that. I'm never good enough. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of maybe stuck a little bit in that blame and shame mentality. It's it's painful. Yeah, and that's the, really to me that's the sadness of it is that mm-hmm. somebody could feel like I don't know how to put this. Your life, whatever your life is, is fantastic if you let it be. And and by let it be, I mean if you accept that this is who I am or what I am or where I am or whatever, uh, and that's terrific. If you think that's true, it is true. If you stop comparing yourself to things that are unattainable for you, right? Like it's it's different for me to say I have a fairly popular podcast and I think I could make it more popular. That's reasonable. But I couldn't look at uh, Idris Elba and say to myself, I really need to look that handsome and then I'm going to be okay because I look the way I look and this is all I have. Like, right, I can't make a change to that. So mm-hmm. that that to me is that's terrible to think that there are people living what they think are unfulfilled lives when really the only thing that needs to change is their definition of good or success or happy or like, right, like if you... Is that the idea? Like, you can be happy anywhere if you're, I I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying, like, if I lived on the side of a mountain in Nepal and I didn't have a coat that I could be happy, I probably could not be. Uh, But, like, you know, like, (laughs) reasonably speaking, it's your own expectation that's crushing your ability to enjoy what you have is how it feels to me. I don't know if that's right or not. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, the expectation, the mindset, which is, you know, developed over time and evolved over time through all of your, you know, your your family of origin, mm-hmm. your life experiences. Um, and I think thinking about how kind are you to yourself? Have you learned that skill set to say, gosh, I I really excelled in this area and that's amazing but i failed in this area but you know what that's part of human nature yeah. and we all fail and we all suffer we all have pain um and to not get stuck in that that you know the thought on repeat of Ugh, i'm never going to be good enough but and that's a hard thing for people to do to sure. just hold that thought of like gosh i failed in that whoops like yeah, that's part of I'm, I'm going to be kind to myself and move on right. that that piece is really hard to have that awareness of the thought and then move on. Right. Like, it's sort of the idea that um, I, I forget what the number is, but they say like every person who's achieved a millionaire status has probably gone bankrupt a number of times on their way to it. Like that mm-hmm. it, that, trying to give people the idea that like you, you can't get to it right away the first time. Like and I do think that that's um. There's a saying around this that I just heard again recently. I'm not going to remember it, but um, that you what you don't see about an overnight success is the 10 years of work that somebody put into it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so you see somebody pop up out of nowhere and you think, oh, I should be able to 
sing a song on TikTok and blah, blah, blah. You know, th- this all should happen to me after that. But mm-hmm. that's not the case. Like, that's not how it happened. You're seeing the one example of that per- of the person who actually made it all the way. And it, it you can't you can't make that happen. It just you, you can you have to like, I don't know, like in my mind, Erica, forget telling people what to do. I think life is short and that you should try to be happy, you, you know, and I get why you can't at times. But then if you're hitting one of those roadblocks, you should, in my opinion, you should focus on how to get around that roadblock. Instead of just running into it, starting over, running into it, starting over, over and over again. Like, think, like, obviously what I'm trying to do is being blocked by another part of my psyche. Like, Mm -hmm. I have to fix that thing or understand it or whatever so that I can keep moving on my journey and try to get to this place I'm trying to get. Because I think, and I don't know if I brought this up with you or not, but this is going to sound like a bummer for a second. I don't mean this is a bummer. Mm -hmm. The end of my mom's life taught me that a lot of being alive is setting goals, achieving goals, and resetting goals. Mm-hmm. And that once those carrots are gone off those sticks, it's kind of difficult to find a reason to get up in the morning. Does that make sense? Like, like mm-hmm. once it all feels gone, like, if, if I'm not going anywhere, what am I doing? And I don't know if that's kind of like the worker bee mentality that's born into like living things or not but you know if you you need something to do and i don't know and you can't always be focused you can't just be focused out a mile some of it has to be now you have to think about now today with a longer goal i think if that makes sense or not i also don't know if there's a question there so good luck talking now (laughs) (laughs) i think well the the goal setting moving forward in life that might be easier for some than others. For example, if you have a perfectionistic mindset or that you feel like you are in control of things, you could you could get stuck and not wanting to move forward or evolve or try new things. Because what if you fail? What if you don't get it right the first time? Then where does the blame go? It goes right back on yourself. You're going to say, well, gosh, I see, look, I tried and I failed. I'm not going to try again because look what happens every time. Well, then use that comparison thing and compare yourself to somebody doing worse than you and you'll feel terrific. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Well, you know, they, they say, you know, that I think both, as we said in the beginning, you know, comparing quote up versus comparing down Mm -hmm. that there's maybe a little bit that can be healthy or helpful, maybe is a better word to a certain extent, but then it could also become a trap, right? Like we talk about the social media highlight reels. If you're constantly trying to find self-worth by looking at your friends or friends of friends, social media reels and saying, well, I'm never going to be able to travel there or achieve that A1C or get invited to these parties. Um, you're going to feel you're constantly comparing up and that you're never good enough and you're never going to achieve. Um, or you could say, gosh, look, they're, they're doing these things and and maybe somehow I can change a little bit in my life and get there or comparing down, which I know that it's controversially been saying that phrase of like comparing down to say, like, wow, look at that person's 
thing or house or dress. So I look way better. So the value there, by, by the way, psychologically, psycho, psychology today believes there's value in that or can be valuable in, in comparing down mm. to give yourself a boost. But I guess then the concern would be if I'm just going to try to paint a really ham-fisted picture. If I'm a homeless drug addicted person and then there's a homeless person who's not drug addicted, if I go, oh, well, I might be homeless but at least I'm not using heroin, that is not going to propel you out of your situation. It could make you feel falsely comfortable in a situation you don't really want to be in. Is that fair? That's fair. And I think to do it every now and again is fine. But again, going back to that, if that's your only source of finding self-worth or value by looking at other people's lives and saying, well, at least I'm not there, Mm that is, that then maybe is an inauthentic place of of um, satisfaction. Okay. Right. Yeah. So if it's a if it's a human instinct to compare ourselves, and you can get stuck in any number of these scenarios that we've painted, if you find yourself in that, how do you break free of it? Mm-hmm. Is there? I, I think, mean, if if I came in the office and said this to you, like, mm-hmm, what, what would you mm-hmm. say to me? Well, it would it would be more than a one session quick fix but uh, to be totally honest i think it would we would first start in just practicing the awareness of how often do you find yourself comparing is it is it all day long are you scrolling thinking about what you don't have or what you have um and trying to gain that sense of self value or worth um so practicing the awareness around how frequently are you doing that? And then, and then working through that, you know, I think a lot of people say, well, if you just had higher self-esteem, you know, there was a big push in the psychological, you know, world um, Mm -hmm. that we just, we all need more self-esteem. And then more recently in the last like 10 years, it's been more about self-compassion. And so we would look at that. Are you, if you're, feeling like you need more self-esteem already in that space, you're judging yourself for not having self-esteem right? and saying, gosh, I don't think, I don't think well of myself and you can get trapped in that. So we would then look at, you know, how, how are you offering kindness to yourself in areas where you excel in areas where you struggle? And Oftentimes, that's where we spend a lot of time is looking at that self-compassion piece. Am I off base by saying that it would be valuable to want what you have? Like, I, um, how do I mean this? I Well, having gratitude. <laughs> is that, is, I just, I mean, I think what I mean is, like, not looking at something and always thinking, yeah, well, this is what I've achieved, but I want that thing. Like, if you want what you have, you can be happy with what you have. If you're always wanting something you don't have, then you're always going to be dissatisfied with yourself. And then I could see where the self-esteem could spiral. And mm-hmm. and then, by the way, I see what you're saying about the um, falsely propping people up with the, like, you're terrific when you're not terrific. Right? Like, right? Like, why not just say, hey, you're really good? Like, why? why, why do, because I think you... I don't see how that could work because if you tell me something about myself that I know is not true, I'm not going to believe it in my mind. Like it might feel nice yeah. like for a second, but you know, if somebody walks up to me and goes, oh my God, you're so tall. I'm going to go, thank you. And then walk right and go, I am not tall. Like, like, right. But, <laughs> but if I wander around thinking I'm tall all the time, I think that's a disservice. Like, whereas I could just think this is how tall I am. 
that's great. Like, who cares? I don't need to be taller than this. I don't know if that makes sense. But So what I feel like what that is kind of um, practicing mindfulness and acceptance of the truth and of the, of whatever your thought is, mm-hmm. um, you know, being comfortable with having uncomfortable feelings or um, not that you're saying you're uncomfortable about your height. But oh, it's no, really I just am. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be taller. Like if you if you pin me down and go, hey Scott, where are you at on your height? I'd say uh, a couple more inches would be terrific. Like, uh, but it's it's not ruining my life. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you've accepted. Okay, let's just. This is like a physical trait. You've accepted your height, right. and you're okay with that, right? And so thinking about like a a feeling, an emotion that maybe feels uncomfortable when you are able to hold that uncomfortable feeling, you are then in turn telling your mind, your soul, your heart, your body, that you are okay just exactly as you are. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean then you're going to go stew in feeling sad or rejected because you didn't get the job or disappointed because your A1C is lower. You're just able to say, gosh, I'm feeling really frustrated, maybe even depressed, and I'm going to just hold this. I'm going to be a comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And then, and then, then it's moving on. But the minute we say, oh, no, I can't, I can't feel that way. I can't accept how tall I am. I can't accept that I was rejected. Then we get stuck there. Are there some people that want themselves or their situation to be not just, um, comfortable for themselves or happy or something they're happy with. They want it to be something that everyone would universally agree on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, which is a weird thing to me because um, some of the prettiest people are not classically pretty. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, and so why, like, why are you trying to look like a angular jawed blonde model from the seventies? If first of all, that's not everybody's thought about why well, I think that's what, you think, is that where they say, like, magazine covers need to be representative? It's, oh, I'm saying it now. Okay, because mm-hmm. otherwise, if we mark it over and over again, this is what pretty is, then yeah. that's the thing that I judge against. Okay, I'm starting to understand. Um, but but what you don't know is what's in most people's heads. And I'm going to make an incredibly weird comparison here for a second. Okay. It's going to make you uncomfortable. It's making me uncomfortable bringing it up. But it makes okay. the po- it makes the point really, really well. Go to any porn site, okay? And there are dozens of genres that people love. And they're not at all what you would think of as classically whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's Like, there's a person out there for you, no matter who you are. And I don't, I don't think people believe that. Like, I, and I, I, I understand, like, but I understand why that would be difficult to believe, but that's just the truth. There's, I ask my wife sometimes, like, um, we did this game the other day, uh, with, um, a bunch of famous people. I can't believe I'm going to tell you we did this. So we pulled <laughs> up a list of like the, what we Googled most attractive blah, blah, blah. And we went Mm -hmm. through and we were like, I don't really see it with that person. Or yeah, that, and what it shows you is, is that like my particular interest doesn't lend itself to the fifth person on the most attractive list. Like when my wife, when when my daughter said to me, who do you, when you think of a famous person who's really pretty, who do you think of? And I was like, Kate Winslet. 
And, and my daughter goes, really? And I'm like, yeah, no, Kate Winslet. And, she, and and she's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Like, that's who pops into my head. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some guys are looking for, I don't know, big butts. And some women are looking for really skinny, dorky looking guys. And like, wh- why are we so trying to look like uh, Linda Evangelista? Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, that. there's a mm-hmm. name I just randomly picked out of my ass. Yeah, that was a very- <laughs> Thank you. I really just whipped that one out. But she's a person who, in my mind, is mm-hmm. classically beautiful. Like, but I don't think she's particularly attractive. So, like, why are we always trying to be the thing if we know that's not true? Because we have those feelings, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm walking around knowing that I don't find classically beautiful women to be perfect. But yet I want myself to be classically perfect. Because when they when Arden said, like, who do you want to look like if you could look like anybody? I was like, oh, mm-hmm. George Clooney. Like, that's easy. Right. And Arden goes, I don't think George Clooney's attractive. And I think Isn't that, that interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think this game makes you should all play this game with yourself. I think it would teach you a lot. <laughs> and it passes a half an hour in the kitchen pretty nicely. So um, but but I, I that's my confusion. Like, why do I know that I don't think classic is classic? But yet when I went when somebody asked me what I wanted to look like, I should have said me. And I should I said George Clooney. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't understand. So well, I think also let's acknowledge your your brain is developed more so than you know the teenage brain and so when when teenagers young children are exposed over and over and over again you know in our in our day it was magazine covers but now Mm -hmm. on social media they are exposed to and and by advertising that this is beauty so even if and and i i hear what you're saying that you your sense and how you define beauty is different than your daughter's or attractiveness or good lookingness. Um, but yet we are trained to believe what, what beauty should look like. And when you're younger, you're that's, you absorb that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what leads oftentimes to destructive behaviors and destructive thinking. Um, because we're not, we don't look that way or own that thing or do that thing. So to move it away from looks, and okay. why do I see so many people comparing how they eat to how other people eat? And I don't just mean in the diabetes space. I mean, this mm-hmm. is if you want to start a fight in two seconds, it's catnip to say that the best way to eat is this. And then people will come in and compare and contrast. And you don't understand about protein and you don't understand about fat and you don't understand about carbs. And Oh, my God. And then I eat the best way. And no, no, the, what you're doing is wrong. These are like, co- this happens constantly. Like, mm-hmm. why would I, I almost cursed. I'm going to curse. Why do I give a f- how anybody else eats? Like, I don't understand. Why does that matter? Hey guys, just jumping in to remind you that one of our sponsors, BetterHelp, is offering 10% off your first month of therapy when you use my link, betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. That's betterhelp.com forward slash juice box. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. It is 100% online, boasts over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists, and you can talk to them however you want, text, chat, phone, or on video. You can actually message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month. 
the the first thing that comes to mind is it feels similar to um, religion, maybe, and okay. how people have belief systems, they have value or just or maybe value systems, and you when you discover your truth and whether it's your religion or your value system or belief system you want to share and like quote proselytize mm-hmm. to others and so i wonder if it begins that way of like wow i discovered this way of eating and i feel so good and i've lost x amount of weight or i feel i have so much energy and you want to share and maybe it's exciting mm-hmm. um but then i know it quickly can evolve into criticism and and really cruel type of commentary yeah that i found the way and you haven't um i'm not do do you find that people get there go there first or it becomes like oh this is so exciting yeah so i get to watch a lot of conversations Mm -hmm. and they are all going to go the exact same way there's there's i could i could probably look at a post and take a magic marker and go, okay, this person brought up food today because they just found a great way and they want to sh- mm-hmm. they share it with somebody. You can tell in their tone, the wording right away. Mm-hmm. Same, a similar post will come up from somebody who you're like, this person is here because they got just a little crazy in their head. And they think it's their job to tell the whole world this thing. So those are the, the two different like ways it comes Entry to points. The third entry point is when someone comes up and says, hey, I have a question. What do you think I should do? So there's either the person who's like going to change the world. There's the person who's just excited to talk. And there's the person who doesn't know and is looking for input from people. No matter how they start, (laughs) they're always going to end the same way. Now, the one that starts with let me tell you, that is met with resistance more quickly. So, but it's also met with more um, support. So the other, let me tell you, people will come in and start going, yeah, 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 yeah. That guy knows. He knows. We're we're together. Solidarity. But then the people who feel like they a don't want to be talked to like that, or b have a different idea, they're going to attack back based on the way the first person came into the story. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yes. And yes. then that fight happens. Now, the person who comes in and says, hey, I've been doing this and it's really been working for me, they're going to be met by somebody who says, well, I do this and it works for me. Mm-hmm. Then someone's going to come in to defend the first person. Then someone's going to come in to defend the second person. And then it turns into the same goddamn conversation from the first person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the same thing happens if someone's just like, hey, I'm newly diagnosed and I was wondering. Here's an interesting one. My kid's getting sick and tired of cheese sticks and jello i need more free foods mm-hmm. that will be mm-hmm. met by lovely parents who will come in and give other options for low carb snacks but inside of eight minutes someone's going to come to tell them there's no such thing as a free food mm-hmm. which is true they don't know that because they were just diagnosed okay mm-hmm. but instead of just saying they don't mean free they mean their understanding of free And saying to them, hey, I know you're calling that a free food, but just heads up, you know, your kid might be honeymooning right now. You're you might be seeing a doctor who's over basiling you to cover for your snacking, like that kind of stuff. But there's pretty Mm -hmm. much carbs in almost everything. And even something, for example, like chicken that doesn't have carbs in it 
will be stored by your body as glucose later, and you'll see a rise from protein. Later. <laughs> right? You could say that, but instead what they say is there's no such thing as free foods, which is true, but not going to move the conversation along. So that's an interesting thing that people do, too, is they'll come in and drop their truth bomb, but not add any context. Those people, I always think, are trying to stir shit. That's how it seems to me. Like, that's that's kind of, actually, that's the phrase I use. I, I think they're, they're shit stirring, is what I think. <laughs> right? Like, they want to say it. Yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally. But I also wonder if you have this experience of, you know, there is such a huge learning curve in type one. And I went in the beginning, everything is so overwhelming and you don't know what's what. And then one year in five years in 10 years and you start to learn more. And I wonder if you also have a sense of like, Oh, I've learned this. I know this. A hundred percent. I feel pretty good about myself, but we forget that how our tone is going to. Yeah. The communication lets them down Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Communication lets them down a lot. Listen, I, was put in a unique situation where I had to talk to people online for years. And it it becomes obvious that you're like, uh, there is a way to speak to people that is not condescending and it is not um, fake, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make anybody upset. It's an, you have to come from a, like a real honest point of view. And I still have a point of view. People know that I'm not like, I'm not milk toast, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time, you there's a way to talk to people where you don't rile them up. And there's also a way to see that someone's already riled up beforehand. Um, and then they start blaming each other. You're the reason that people with diabetes, it's people like you, it's statements like that, like that's, you're ruining the world. I figured mm-hmm. out the right world and you're ruining it. And and then there's this feeling, I'm always amazed by um, people on their social media or in these situations, they feel like they're talking to the whole world. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're talking to eight people, just calm down. Like, like nobody's, you're not changing a goddamn thing. You're arguing with six people, stop it. You, you, you know, like, or somebody with 150 followers on Instagram is putting up something that they clearly took, I don't know, days to write and it's beautiful and prose and everything and it mm-hmm. gets three clicks and I'm like, no one saw that, you know, but they still are acting like they're, that they're having that impact. That drive, I, it seems unstable to me. I don't know another way to put it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that, that feeling that I'm talking to you and you need to listen, like mm-hmm. that feels like that person has something to work out that has nothing to do with this sometimes. Some, yeah, I, I think there are probably a variety of factors, um, but trying, I think going back to the, having some semblance of control in feeling like you're in control mm-hmm. of your life or of your kids' choices. Um, we do that, even though we know we're not, we're not in control I and mean, we're in control of some things, but in the larger picture, we're not really in control of everything. And Perhaps that feeling of when, maybe when life is feeling out of control, maybe um, you might speak in a certain way to say, no, this this is the way it has to be done. This is the way it works for me. And this is the way you should do it. Um, and maybe they lean into that sense of control when maybe other things are feeling more out of control. Yeah. So I'm going to use this as an example. The other day online, I saw a person jump into a thread and 
stir shit. Like, it was clear that's what they were doing. And then I took a hard look, and I thought, I know this person. They've been in here a long time. That doesn't make sense to me. And I had to remove their comment because it was hurtful and nasty, and it was just going to lead to more hurtful and nasty. Mm. Um, And I took it out, but I, I, I took the moment to send a note. And I said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but you can't do that. And you've been here a long time. This really surprised me. And I got a return note that said, I'm really sorry. I have two different family members in the hospital. One of them's out of state. I need to find a better way to relieve my stress here than to get Mm -hmm. online and do what I just did. Mm -hmm. And so my expectation is, is that most people are having some sort of a thing in their day when this happens. Like I genuinely think people are like decent. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think that anybody just, in their best moment gets up and says, let me go argue with somebody about what we're eating or let me Uh go compare this to that or go blame a whole group of people for whatever. I don't think that that's the case. I think that, that there are enough people in the world and they have enough access to the internet that it only takes a couple of people having a bad day to give you the impression that the world is a terrible place. And I just Uh don't think that's true. You, Uh You know? So, um, I got a lot out of that response. And then I, I I responded back and I said, hey, you know, I just lost my mom. I think I have some idea of what you're talking about. I know how hard it is. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, please just, you know, keep visiting the group and feeling better. And if you feel like you need to lash out, like, I don't know, go do something else. <laughs> like, like, you know, mm-hmm. leave, leave those people alone. Um, mm-hmm. But, but... I was the only one that had that compassionate response because mm-hmm. when he started doing what he was doing, everybody else was like, boom, coming back at him, swinging with the, some people are like, here's the rules in the group or here, you can't say that or be nice or why. And I'm like, oh my God, like none of this is going to go well. Like, like, you don't see that. Um, and then they'll start telling me like, the, he's <laughs> wrong, not me. Cause I'll say, Hey, be nice to him. And they'll be like, me, I'm not the problem. I'm like, oh, now you're both the problem. <laughs> like everyone should have to moderate a group of 40,000 people for a week cuz you would you'd start seeing the world in a completely different way. It's it's interesting. And my group is, and I think you can attest to this, mm-hmm. really harmonious and generally speaking overall a pretty lovely place to be. But it's still when it pops up, you're like, "Oh, here's all the stuff that we go to therapy for <laughs> but yeah, yeah i'm sure you see so many you know patterns of human nature that um yeah. we all can grow in you know certain areas at certain times i think one one thing i just actually noticed in your in a post i read recently that i thought was really gracious and kind i know we're like totally off topic kind of but um you know reading I think oftentimes we insert ourselves, like you just said, without reading the initial post or reading the thread. Mm-hmm. And someone very graciously said, Hey, I think you missed the first, like the actual question. Maybe go back and read the initial post. Um, and I thought that was a really kind reminder to like you wouldn't insert yourself in a conversation that was happening in the in the living room if you were in the kitchen without, I mean, maybe you would, but you know. <laughs> without understanding what was happening. What's the context? I know what you're talking about. 
And I've seen it done both ways. I've seen it done like, hey, I think you missed like the tone of like th- you missed the question. Uh-huh, but there's uh-huh. also people who didn't miss the question. They're just using it as an opportunity to give, oh, okay. give you their opinion. And so it's it's interesting. And I don't think everybody is going to listen to this and go, oh, I do that. I should do better. As a matter of fact, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's going to help anybody. But I, <laughs> I'm also I'm very cynical about this stuff because I just. When when we're talking about something that is built over time through experience, like through parenting mm-hmm. or upbringing, even if it's being pointed out to you right now, what is your real like chance of like grabbing a hold of it and redirecting it? And and my honest my honest thought is, you have the best chance in a situation like this where a person, me and you, who have no connection to their lives, like the people who are listening can say, hey, if this is happening to you, this is how it sounds to other people. Like, maybe Mm -hmm. you don't want to sound like this because I don't think this is a thing you can tell a spouse or a child or a close, like, you know what I mean? Like, I bet you if your husband acts up and you say something to him, he's like, don't therapy me. And like, (laughs) I'm not digging into your life, but I'm assuming that's happened. It's it's happened. happened. I'll admit. Great. So you have a much greater chance of helping people you don't know who have no connection to you than you do with helping the people around you. Because Mm -hmm. all this insight that I have doesn't help me that much with my wife. Because she's like, "Eh, you're an idiot. I've known you forever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you knew something, like, you know what I mean? Like, she doesn't take me seriously the way other people would. And and my point about that is that everyone's in that situation. This is your best opportunity to see yourself in some of these descriptions and say, I don't want to be like that. Like, to me, that's why I'm having Mm -hmm. the conversation. So there's a look behind me. That's why I'm having this conversation. Because I think it could help people. But we'll see. Yes, Yes, hopefully. And I think it goes back to, you know, having the awareness and then the desire to change and, and taking it back to, you know, why do we compare? I think with the, with the example that we've been using on the, the, um, Facebook group with food and eating styles, um, perhaps you feel, but you obviously feel better about the way that you're eating and maybe you find that self-worth, um, that you've, you found the way and you want to compare it to other people and that you feel better than other people because you found the way that works for you. And I think that the, the highlight, um, you know, underlying theme that I know you talk about a lot in your Facebook group and on the, the podcast is, you know, do what works for you and that's okay. There's no right or wrong method of, of eating. Um, and if we could all live in that space, that would be a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to remember. You know, that's great if, if keto works for you or if eating whatever you want works for you. Um, and it doesn't always have to be all or nothing. Yeah. And and it, it is more attractive to people psychologically to blame someone than it is to praise them. Is that not true? To blame, so psychologically attractive. But, like our our brains. To blame are, our, mm-hmm. yeah, like we're kind of wired. Like the blaming feels better than the pra- than praising does. Like you, you'll hear people say that when you're being kind, it sounds fake to them. Do you ever hear people say that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm that makes me really sad when people say that. But like you're being kind, you're phony. I'm like I'm not phony. That's what I think. You, you know. Um. So they're so wired towards the destructive, like the blame yes. that, that it, when they see kind, it rubs them wrong. That's 
really something. I don't it's know. it's hard to receive and internalize as truth. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and I think as the as the deliverer, I was I'm trying to understand that the sentence that you just said too, like psychologically attractive to blame somebody. Um, are you saying that as like the person who's receiving that? Or, no, or as the person, it, who gi- who, the person who gives it, like, mm-hmm. I guess you get a feeling of superiority by blaming somebody mm-hmm. for something, mm-hmm. right? So that's probably, and then that raises you up to, mm-hmm. I'm better than these people. Like, so all the, all the self-doubt you have inside, you can make it go away by pointing to someone who's clearly doing something wrong. Right. And yeah. that would, I would maybe argue that that's like, oh, I'm going to boost my self-esteem Mm-hmm. by doing this thing of I'm going to blame somebody else. I'm going to feel better about my thing. Yeah. And then I have this kind of false self-esteem mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, um, well, maybe I, maybe I have it right. Maybe I don't. That's okay. Um, I'm just going to be kind to myself regardless. Yeah. I, and listen, this, I, this conversation is extra interesting to me because if you're living with diabetes or you're caring for somebody who has it, you are being judged constantly by by blood tests and numbers mm-hmm. on things and arrows and beeping and, and clarity like, reports and just you know you're you can say you're not being judged and you shouldn't take it as judgment and that's all true mm-hmm. but it's happening you are being judged mm-hmm. constantly right you are either doing something right or you're doing something wrong or you're getting something right and you don't even know how the hell it happens so you can't even take credit for it <laughs> you, you know like like and so that stuff's all happening i think it's important to know that you're having all these different impacts like that we've been talking about because you are then going to go have a human interaction with somebody, your children, your husband, your mm-hmm. wife, like somebody in your life, somebody online, and you're going to have all these bad feelings that you don't have time to deal with because you're busy trying to keep someone's blood sugar from being dangerous one way or the other. And then, I don't know, I just think that most of the people who come off poorly online, I think if we could grab them one at a time, like I did with that person in my example, you'd find that is not who they are. It's mm-hmm. not how they feel. And if you gave them a do-over, they would certainly not say the thing they just said. And I, I think the only way to slow that down is if everybody understands that we're all in a really, it's a high-tension situation taking care of diabetes. Like constantly, you know, I feel all the like, time. yeah, you feel like a, like a hostage negotiator constantly. Like everything you do is about to kill somebody if you do it wrong. Like, you know, so I don't know, that's how it makes me feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, I know I say it probably almost every episode that we record, but just the significance of taking responsibility where you can releasing the blame and offering the self-compassion of like, this is really hard to nail it every time and we're not going to, (laughs) and that's okay. I think you have to treat it like, uh, like hitting a baseball, honestly, and Mm -hmm. just go, wow, I got three out of the last 10. I'm so good at this. Yeah. yeah, I just really like, that's it. I mean, you know, that's an old saying, right. But uh, you, you go three for 10, through a career, you're in the Hall of Fame. So hitting a baseball is really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And is that is that a true? That's a real stat. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, hold on. Let's find out the okay. average batting <gasps> average. Uh huh. Of a Hall of Fame, average batting average of a Hall of Famer. Hold on a second. Okay, so the top three 
are like old timey. So they weren't even playing when people were athletic. <laughs> okay. Ty, Ty Cobb has a lifetime average of 366, 0.366. Rogers Hornsby, 0.358. Joe Jackson, that's shoeless Joe Jackson, 0.356. Uh-huh. Ted Williams batted a uh, career 0.344. And to find somebody more like here, look, you, I don't know. If you don't know baseball, you don't know baseball. Tony Gwynn was a pro hitter. He batted 0.338 for his his career. He got slightly wow. over three hits every 10 times he was at bat. And there are people, big name people here. I'm scrolling down. Like I'm in the top 600 now. Like I'll give you a name that people are just going to know. It's an old name. Roy Campanella. That's a baseball name people know. He batted 0.276. That's it. Wow. So Cal Ripken Jr. is a lifetime mm-hmm. 0.276 batting average. And 0.27. Yeah. So he got wow. less than three hits every 10 times. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best shortstops that ever played. And it, so, you know, it, it just, that to me is how, I mean, I know this is overly simplified, but that's how I think about things. Like when you hear me say something and you think I'm joking, I'm like, I set the bar really low. That way I can't even trip over it. Like, like, like everything I do, I'm like, again, me succeeding. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And because you need that momentum to set that next carrot on that next stick mm. and keep going. Like if you if you bury yourself under a pile of dread the first time you do something, you'll spend your whole life digging yourself out from it. Me, I was like, I can't believe I got dressed today. I'm killing it. Like like let's, you know, <laughs> and I just there's a way to there's a way to trick yourself into feeling that way. And then what are you doing? You're faking it till you make it, right? Like that's a real saying for a reason. Um, you know, so you keep to me, it's setting little little goals, succeeding, and moving on. I do it with my kids all the time. I don't even mm-hmm. let them know I'm doing it. Like, you know, like uh, the other day, um, I said to my son, I was like, you should set up a um, an IRA for yourself, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, you got a job now. Like, it won't be a lot of money, but you can put a little mm-hmm. money aside every month. And um, And I made sure to tell him, like, you could have a short-term goal of maybe owning a home if you wanted to in the next 10 years or something like that. And you could have a long-term goal about retiring. And I said, and it doesn't need to be a lot. You can put in a little bit, a manageable amount, and you'll get to these things. And he's like, okay. like, And that's it. So then mm-hmm. I set him up with a person to help him set up an IRA. IRA and mm-hmm. then he called me and he said, hey, I talked to the guy. And I was like, that's great. I, I, great that you talked to him. I said, what's next? And he said, oh, I got to fill out the paperwork. I was like, oh, let me know when you do that, if you need help. And a week later, I got mm-hmm. a call. Hey, what does this mean on this form? And I told him, and he goes, good. And he got all done. I was like, great job. And he's like, thanks. I said, hey, I'd like to put some money in it to get you started. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. thank you. And he goes, and you know what he said? I'll match whatever you put in up to this much. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, well, if that's as much as you can put in, that's as much as I can put in. Mm-hmm. And so, and now he's on his way. Like there's so That's many. That's so sweet. Yay! That's so endearing. Oh my but, gosh. But but it's but I didn't tell you because mm-hmm. um how terrific I am. I told you because <laughs> a first of all I wish somebody would have talked to me about money when I was a person like a young mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. and secondly because. That's an example of like five or six opportunities to put a little tiny carrot out in front of him. He reaches out and grabs it. He feels like he did something. I filled out the paperwork. Yay me. I called the guy. Yay me. Like that kind of stuff. And he feels like he's doing something without having a down payment in a house. Like, right? He he right. thinks he's working towards it. I, I got to be honest with you. It doesn't matter if he ever 
it doesn't matter if he ever gets to it. It matters Mm -hmm. that he has something to do and that he has something to focus on and that it's positive and that it's achievable. Short term, long term. That's all. I don't want to say I'm a genius, Erica, but there, I just fixed it for you. Just do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then he's having this feedback loop, right? Of I did this thing and I felt good about myself. And that is so important for the overall mental health, right? That Mm -hmm. he knows he has the the capability, the competency, then he feels good for fulfilling that goal. Um, And that's, that's super important that you're, you know, helping shape him in those steps. But that's a thing you could all do for yourself in little ways Mm -hmm. all day long. Like if, if you say, I'm going to put the laundry away and then you don't do it, you made too big of a goal. (laughs) Like, like you make it make a smaller thing and reach for that. You'll be surprised how it'll just get you like mo- motivated. It makes you feel mm-hmm. like you're doing something. And you are, mm-hmm. by the way, you're not really lying to yourself. You are getting something accomplished. But that momentum and that expectation, by the way, that you're going to accomplish things, it builds on itself. And then you don't have to be out in the world constantly comparing yourself to other people just to feel better. You'll actually feel better because you've compared yourself to a thing that you did and then you're the focus then yours then you're george clooney to you does that all make sense i mean i feel like i've bundled this up very nicely for everybody but uh, (laughs) but but it's just that easy well it's obviously not that easy but but yes it is Mm -hmm. right like there's Mm -hmm. there's no more to it than that i mean the doing it's hard the understanding what it is is not hard like and so i think my point is, is if you find yourself comparing yourself to people all the time or if you find yourself blaming other people all the time, you just you probably just don't feel good about what you're doing. So go back and set these small goals where you can feel better about yourself. Like, don't look at your 12A1C and when it's not a six next time, go, what the hell? Say, I wonder if I could get this to an 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and work like that. To me, that makes sense. Anyway, yeah, taking a smaller, a larger goal, breaking it up into smaller chunks. Um, we talk, I talk about that a lot. And mm-hmm. even just, you know, thinking about like the laundry example or the exercise of like, okay, if the doing folding the laundry and putting away, I feel that that is a really challenging task in that. my household. Yeah. So to say, I'm going to do the socks today, you know, and you're like, yes, I did the socks. And tomorrow you're going to do the shirts. Um, same thing with, any task of saying, I'm just going to set the timer and do it for five minutes and you're done. Don't, don't do the treadmill for 30, do it for five. I had trouble standing up after my surgery on my foot. So I said to my wife and my daughter, who's home from school right now, if you guys could just fold the laundry, that'd be really great. Right. So they took care of their laundry. They left my laundry folded on my side of the room. And I thought, I can't put this away right now. So I told myself, I'm going to dress out of the pile and I'm going to make that okay for myself this week. Yeah. So I got dressed out of the pile of clothing like they were in the drawers. And I didn't say to myself, you're a scumbag for not putting these clothes away. I can't believe you're living out of a pile of clothes. I actually said, that's my goal. I'm going to live out of the pile of clothes today because I can't stand up too long because of my foot. And I don't want to torture myself about this. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I walk into the room, I look at the pile of clothing and I think, just put that away. Like, do that. But instead, I just made it an okay thing. And that was it. And by the way, I still got the podcast done. I got other stuff accomplished this week and Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's all here. Listen, I'm going to make this last point and you can wrap up. 
I don't know if you know who Shoei Otani is, but he's arguably the best baseball player that is alive right now playing. That's, the name's familiar. Yeah, yeah he's batting .306 right now. Every person in the world who understands baseball would want him on their baseball team. He's astonishingly good. So that's it. Be a, be a 300 batting, batting average. That's what I would do. I'd shoot for that. Be amazing. You get three out of 10 things done that you set up every week, then just reset them again. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. And I, I, here's a piece of advice from me to anybody else. Make your to-do list flexible. Don't set one to 10 and then say to yourself, I can't get to two until I do one. If mm-hmm. if three becomes more important than one to you, slide three to one. Just keep moving it around. It it, it goes a long way to not torturing yourself. So anyway, that's and all I add, And may, may I add on your to-do list, um, be kind to yourself. Sometimes I, I encourage people to have your big to-do list. And then on Monday, you have fold the laundry, number one. Number two, be kind to yourself. And then that's, and then number two, on Tuesdays, two of those things. Again, a very doable, that's what I'm saying. It's a very doable thing that you can check off your list, make you feel like you accomplished something, and it's good for you on top of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, beautiful. That's exactly right. All right, Erica, <laughs> ericaforsyth.com, right? What states are that's you doing right. virtually right now? California, Utah, Oregon, and Florida. In person in California. In person in California. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. First, I want to thank Erica and remind you to check her out at ericaforsyth.com. And then I want to thank all of you for listening. And BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. Save 10% off your first month of therapy when you use my link. I hope you enjoyed our little thought exercise today. I enjoyed having the conversation with Erica. If you want to check out the private Facebook group that we were talking about, it's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. That's pretty much it. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. A diabetes diagnosis comes with a lot of new terminology, and that's why I've created the Defining Diabetes series. These are short episodes where Jenny Smith and I go over all of the terms that you're going to hear living with diabetes and some of them that you might not hear every day. From the very simple bolus up to feet on the floor. Don't know the difference between hypo and hyper? We'll explain it to you. These are short episodes. They are not boring. They're fun. And they're informative. It's not just us reading to you out of the dictionary. We take the time to chat about all of these different words. Maybe you don't know what a small respiration is. You will when you're done. Ever heard of a glycemic index and load? Haven't? Doesn't matter. You'll know after you listen to the Defining Diabetes series. Now, how do you find it? You go to juiceboxpodcast.com, up top to the menu, and click on Defining Diabetes. You'll be able to listen right there in your browser, or you'll see the full list of the episodes and be able to go into an audio app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to them at your pace. Download them into your phone and listen when you can. The Defining Diabetes series is made up of 51 short episodes that will fast forward your knowledge of diabetes terminology.